Well, Duke continues its winning ways after a big 42-7 win over Lafayette, and we've got our reaction for you, the fans. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Josh Cox, Scott Medlin, and Jamie Holt. And of course, this episode is brought to you by Comfort Mechanical Contractors, Durham's premier commercial HVAC installation and service company. And fellas, as always, we got to hear from the man himself before we give our thoughts. One Mike Elko post game after the big 42 to 7 win over the Leopards. Lafayette, I thought they came in with a really good plan. Uh, I thought Coach Troxell had his guys well prepared. They played hard. Um, they did a really good job of, of shortening the game uh, and kind of milking the clock on offense and limiting the amount of possessions in the game. Um, from our standpoint, I thought, you know, offensively, I thought we came out and, and we did the things we wanted to do. We threw the ball well. We ran the ball well. Um, obviously, the, the turnover in the first half is going to be the one sore spot. Um, but outside of that, you know, I think for the better part of the game until the last one, they didn't really stop us. Um, you know, defensively, I thought at times we were a little flat to start the game. Um, I don't know what it was. We just didn't have an edge about us. We didn't communicate at a really high level. And then I thought we settled in. And, um, and then certainly in the second half came out and the way we wanted to. And, um, you know, and so just, you know, it's tough, right? When you when you come off of a short week like that and you got to prepare and um, you just got to go out there and you got to find a way to get a result. We were able to do that tonight. And so that was kind of the big emphasis. I told the guys we're going to always enjoy wins around here and we're certainly going to enjoy this one. Um, but we also know there's going to be some things to clean up for us to get where we want to go. And again, that was head coach Mike Elko giving his thoughts post game after the big 42 to 7 victory. And for the Blue Devils, fellas, they are currently on a four game winning streak that started back last year when they upset Wake Forest. And that continued on beating UCF and then Clemson. And here we are. So, wait, 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 wait. We upset Wake Forest? Come on. That wasn't upset. I mean, if we're looking at the stats, but that was last year. Let's, let's focus about now. Yeah. Don't Forget. don't give me that. Don't give screw, me that. Screw it for us. <laughs> also, uh, jinx, jinx much? Jeez. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, this uh, this guy hasn't missed a free throw in 17 straight attempts. <laughs> Lang. Lang. It's, the ninth, it's the ninth inning. No hitter. <clears throat> Upcoming. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but as I stated, this was an expected win for the Blue Devils playing FCS rival. Rival FCS. Yes. First time they played and they're already rivals. Lafayette. 42-7. <laughs> We braved the elements. We braved the weather. We got poured on a couple of times. The fellas got poured on in the third quarter. Not I. I was the smart one with the press pass. But all in all, it was a pretty good game. A slow start. I guess just uh, catching up from that Clemson win on Monday. But, guys, what are your thoughts as uh, we head into next week? With the Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, we didn't play the game Monday night. But, like, we were trying to figure out, like, what day it was. And, like, we were, like, getting over it. You know, we took Tuesday. I think most of us, I think we may have all taken Tuesday off work even. Yep. And so, at the end of the day, we were kind of – we were trying to figure out what day it was. I can only imagine the players, you know. It probably took them all day Tuesday to still get over that win or try to reel, you know, back from that win. And then Wednesday, I remember Coach Elko saying, I believe, Thursday morning they had to have kind of a come-to-Jesus meeting, you know, with the team just to get them kind of refocused. And before you know it, it's game day again. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, there, there, we, we sat kind of, um, as, as a program, I think, uh, just trying to get through that first quarter. Um, you know, they were a little, they played better. I'll be honest with you. I mean, from what we had seen stat wise, 
I mean, that quarterback had only thrown for 40 yards. Bro, like there were a couple times I'm like, how did he make that throw? Like he was rolling to his right, threw back to his left, like hit hit this like little tiny pocket that was open. Like he had like a little Pat Mahomes in him or something, man. I don't know what happened, but uh, but anyway, but but obviously Duke got on track and then were was able to get what I what I loved was able to get Henry Beelan in the game before it was crazy. As Coach Elko mentioned uh, in his uh, presser on Monday, um, Samir Hagens and Jordan Moore were still in the game. Nikki Dalmalin still in the game. Uh, some of the ones on the offensive line still in the game. So Henry got to play with the ones instead of coming in with the two or three uh, deep. And so I thought I was really good in the defense. Once again, I uh, held a team to just one score. Yeah, I mean – Really, my only gripe was was the weather. So I don't really know who I complained to that, complain about for that. But God, <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna leave that alone. I'm gonna leave that one alone. I'm not gonna complain about the weather. But yeah, the defense was a little sluggish to start. But like Josh said, they only gave up seven points. I mean, that's not that's not bad when you look at it. But I, I, my only gripe really is not being able to get off the field on third down. There was a lot of a lot of bending, a lot of bending, but not breaking. Uh, offense looked really sharp. I thought Jordan Waters ran the ball really, really hard. I mean, he's just he's been playing really well this year to start, anyways. But um, all in all, it's just a, it was another great game. I don't really have much to say. Sorry, Lafayette. Uh, congratulations, you didn't you didn't get beat by forty two like the uh, like the Vegas odds said. Those poor betters. <laughs> Scott, I said people people did lose their money. That's the funny part. But I mean, if you think about it like this, Lafayette came in, in my opinion, with the perfect plan. You know, we always joke about in the second half that Duke's gonna, you know, do the best he can to milk that clock. Well, that's exactly what they did. So sorry, I've never milked a cow before, but because uh, that's what Duke did last Monday night against Clemson. The whole fourth quarter, they milked it as much as they possibly could. So. You know, the fact that Mahomes Jr. was out there throwing the ball, I mean, one time I thought he was just going to throw it behind his back to somebody because that touchdown pass he threw, I don't know how he got it to the guy. That thing looked like it was destined to hit the two-yard line and bounce, and somehow it skipped over the two-yard line right to the dude's hands in the end zone. But other than that, I mean, you know, I hated that we gave up a score because that was one of the things I was hoping that we would be able to shut those guys out. But all in all, it was a great chance for opportunity for younger guys to get out there, get an opportunity. Um, you know, if we have to give the keys to the car to Henry Beelan, definitely like what we saw and love the fact that they let him throw the ball down the field. And, I mean, obviously, Jomo and him have, have a connection, which was great. So, you know, uh, that's what you're supposed to do when you play an, an FCS opponent. And they were letting him throw five touchdowns. Sorry. And they were letting him throw the ball down the field in poor conditions. Like they, they which showed Kevin Johns really, really trusts Henry Beelan. Yeah. I asked, I asked a coach that today and I guess that was just part of the plan because you know, it was raining. Um, Shout out to the weather. Um, God, we, we, yeah, we braved it out. Yeah. Shout out. Um, (laughs) We, we braved that um, as did about, 200 other fans maybe. Um, but, uh, but that was, that was fun. But yeah, I mean, 
they could have very easily brought Henry in the game in the third quarter and said, okay, we're going to run the ball. We're going to do read option the rest of the night and probably scored a couple of touchdowns, maybe 128 to seven instead of 42 to seven, slow the game down. But uh, according to coach, and I think what the, the plan was with, with Kevin Johns was like, no, we're going to put the pressure on Henry. Like this is the time for him to really get his feet wet and, you know, knock on wood, but, but there could be a time this season, uh, you know, where, okay, even if something as small as, Riley gets his helmet knocked off or something. He's got to come out for a play, like things like that. And like, if that happens, we know that we do not have to just line up and hand the ball off to a running back. And so I thought that was good. What are some other players, guys, uh, that we uh, in that in that two deep, you know, and maybe down to the three deep, uh, some guys that we that w- it was good to see play um, this past Saturday. Uh, Peyton Jones. We, I think we talked about that last weekend, how we were somewhat surprised he did not line up in the backfield against Clemson because of what we've seen in spring and fall ball. He got some action behind Jordan Waters, who, by the way, had a record day. Uh, first time, I believe, in his Duke career, he went over 100 yards. Helmet sticker coming out soon. Um, but it was good to see Peyton in the backfield. I, I think he returned some uh, kicks uh, during the Clemson game. So he's seen actions. So that's two games in a row. And coach even alluded to it before the season started. There was, I believe, a 99.9% chance that Peyton would not be redshirted. Yeah. So I think I think they're trying to find ways to plug and play him each game, depending on what defense is shown from the opponent, which I love. Uh, but again, it was good to see him in the backfield. Uh, Grayson Loftus, we can't forget him. He got some action late in the game. Uh, one of the guys that we thought could produce if – Asked if something were to happen to Riley and Henry. He came in highly touted, so it was good to see him on the field. And, and let's be real, guys. We knew this was going to be the game where there were going to be players on the field who probably won't see much of the field for the rest of the year with our schedule. Because typically, with a non-conference slate, you have two games that are pretty easy, mostly winnable. This gives a chance for some of your guys to get on the field and get some of that action. But with the schedule that we have moving forward, it's going to be tough for some of these guys to see action for the rest of the year. I mean, yeah, until we play that uh, that easy conference game there in Charlottesville against uh, Tony Elliott and UVA. And no, Mike Elko is not available to be your defensive coordinator. That's right. Even Mark though you Tony. would consider, even though you would consider him, he's not available. But no, I thought a couple of interesting things. Jake Taylor, uh, who was a tight end. Uh, Coach Elko said today uh, on Monday that they've moved him to wide receiver. That is a move. So he is over there at wide receiver. We also saw Jeremiah Hazley look like, now I'm just going to say this, looked like he took over that number two tight end spot. Cole Finney was not injured. Cole Finney did come in and play some, but Jeremiah Hazley was the number two uh, tight end, no question. And then another move that's been made, Travis Bates, they said was uh, not 100%, even though he did play a little bit. And so Karan Boyd, a true freshman, moved over to, to running back and was in the fourth quarter uh, and, and looked pretty good uh, running the football there. And so I thought it was neat to see that. Um, then on the on the defensive side, uh, we were able to see uh, Plasad Sungyu Ungyu. I forget how you say his name. Shout out to him, by the way. He was on punt, uh, punt coverage, and Jalen was telling people to get away from the football, and he started yelling <laughs> at him. And he took off like in a full sprint oh, across hilarious. the field to the top. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, but it was good to see him out there. Cam Bergeron got some uh, some time there at nickel in place of BJ. And uh, yeah, I thought it was that was good. Any any other players, Jane, that you can think of? 
Not not really. Y'all pretty much mentioned them all that I was thinking about. But I will say in Coach Elko's press conference, he even mentioned the defensive side of the ball that they would have liked to have seen even more guys get in. But the way the game went and the way Duke was able to really kill the clock, especially in the third and fourth quarters, they, they weren't able to really rotate guys in as much as they would have liked. I thought it was good to see some of the offensive linemen get in, especially with uh, Justin Pickett getting hurt. And we weren't, we were not sure what happened about that, but he sprained his elbow. Um, so that may be a, a game or so, or who knows, he may bounce back. But uh, I thought it was good to see like Makai Wall out there. Mm-hmm. Some of the wide receivers that got out there early ish, earlier than yeah. I thought they would get out there, but they were out there and they were its key points to the game. It's not like it was 42 to seven at the time. Yeah. I mean, we're talking it was 14 to seven, and these guys are out there getting run. So it's a good chance. I mean, we Duke has lived upon the next man up philosophy. That's what they've done ever since Coach Elko's gotten here. And the fact that we're able to put people out there on the field to learn on the game day opportunities is great. Yeah. I thought it was uh, interesting in the second half, uh, Coach gave Choo Choo Charlie um, a, a breather and Ryan Degayansky, freshman, Place kicker number 48. You, what you need to do the pronunciations for goduke.com, Josh. You're doing a fantastic Thank job you. with these players' pronunciations. I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. Degansky. 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 Anyway, uh, we'll ask Cat. Uh, we'll figure out what his name is. Um, but he was a 48. He was, uh, he got the ball. I mean, honestly, he doesn't have quite the leg that Charlie does, but did fairly well on kickoffs. That's a small thing. Um, but you know, it was, uh, that, that was, that was cool too. So yeah, all in all Duke was able to do exactly what we hoped they were able to do. And that was to just play, play through that two deep down to the three deep and even four deep in some areas, um, throughout, throughout that game. And so ultimately it was kind of a boring win, um, in a way. No, um, don't say that. Sorry. A win's a win. But it was boring. Um, yeah. but, um, but, but it's all good. And also we, I think we have to mention this cause there's nothing that's been said about it. I mean, Riley did seem to be um, favoring his left arm. Uh, some in some way, I, I, I saw someone tweet uh, that maybe he got stepped on by a cleat or something like that. Cleated. Yep. Uh, so that's that's potentially what happened. Uh, but it just so happened that that was when they brought Henry in on the next drive, and so whatever it was, I'm sure Riley would be fine. But I mean, I just wanted did want to mention that at least. It, yeah, it looked like he was ready to go back in, but they held him back. Uh, he just came off. He was favoring his left arm. He did look funky, though, making a couple of the passes afterwards. And it was interesting because the second, either the exactly next play or two plays later, he had to scramble and ended up landing on that arm again. So it was it was interesting to see that happen. And I don't think it was anything crazy. So that's the good. That's always good news. But one other thing, real fast, and I don't think we haven't mentioned this: and uh, zero sacks in the first two games. Only Riley one, has barely been touched. Only one of seven NCAA schools to still have that mark. So, and again, the, and the fact well. that the quarterbacks went perfect, except for the one clock of play. I mean, that's – I don't care who you're playing. That is unbelievable. And the fact that we were able to keep both quarterbacks up – all three quarterbacks upright and no sacks, and it's, it's an unbelievable thing. Even when you're playing Clemson – who's supposed to be, and then the FCS team Lafayette. That's that's unbelievable stats. 
Yeah, I thought it was that that 20 for 20 is incredible. I mean, like you said, Scott, does not matter who you're playing. Uh, If you're playing football uh, on FCS, FBS level, it doesn't matter. And you go 100% with two different quarterbacks, 20 passes. That's pretty incredible. It's also a little tidbit that I didn't know that clocking it does not count against your personal stat. I was I was wondering that too. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. There were a couple of times, I think, in the first half that uh, Riley maybe was able to fall forward for about two or three yards to escape some sacks. But for the most part, offensive line, he didn't have to really do anything. Okay, so that was addressed, um, and Coach Elko mentioned that. He said, listen, like we're cool with that. We would much rather it be second and seven than second and 12. And he's like, Riley's pocket presence is just on another level this year. Like he just knows when he needs to get out of there or when he needs to throw it away. And he's like, second and 10 is better than second and 18. Second and seven is better than second and 10. He's like, he just knows right now he's just playing on that level of like, he knows when to kind of die forward. He knows when to throw it. Um, and his pocket presence just kind of improved drastically. So, yeah, for sure. Well, we got to move on, fellas. Got another game this Saturday, 3.30 ACC Network against a pretty familiar foe, a team that Duke has played the last three years, and they're going to be playing this team again next year for the final time for the foreseeable future in Evanston, Illinois. Of course, I'm talking about the Northwestern Wildcats, and Josh had the opportunity to sit down with a buddy of ours, good old Dave Innett, play-by-play for the Northwestern Wildcats. Dave will be here this Saturday, so we hope to catch up with him if possible. But here's Josh's interview with Dave. And we're here with WGN Radio's Dave Innett, who is also the play-by-play man for the Northwestern Wildcats. And as you know, Duke will be hosting Northwestern this coming Saturday at Wallace Wade Stadium. Dave, I really appreciate you taking some time and coming on with us today. Good being with you again. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, listen, uh, it's been been a lot of things that have happened, you know, since the last time we've spoken. Um, but this Northwestern team comes into Durham uh, one and one. And uh, so far, what's your overall takeaway uh, from this team? Uh, seeing that the kind of the loss to Rutgers, but then bouncing back this past weekend with that home win over UTEP. Well, I don't think we really knew what to expect on the field going into the season, given all the changes and a new head coach, a first-time head coach, uh, and and obviously a different guy behind center to start the season. A lot, a lot of changes, and and they didn't play well against Rutgers. I, I think Rutgers may be a little better than they've been. I think that um, maybe the the emotion of the off season took a little bit of a toll on this team going into that. Uh, but uh, they certainly bounce back well against UTEP. Now, again, I, I I don't think UTEP is as good a team as Rutgers is and, and nowhere near as good a team as Duke is. But I do think that in terms of giving this team something to build on, giving them some confidence, uh, getting some guys into the mix who didn't have a whole a lot to say in the outcome of the game against Rutgers, I think it was an important win for them, and I think they're feeling pretty good about themselves. And, and look, they know what they're walking into. I mean, everybody watched the Duke-Clemson game, and and everybody knows this is a, a really good Duke team, and, and it's a step up in class for them. So I, I'm really interested to see how they perform. I mean, I, I think 
Now, this has been over the years a pretty good rivalry. Duke's had the upper hand last few years, but uh, even last year in the game at Evanston, uh, the Wildcats were coming back after being down 21 nothing. So uh, we'll see what they do. They, they kind of go into it with not a whole lot to lose, I think. Listen, we definitely remember that game. I mean, had it not been for that fumble uh, getting punched out of the one-yard line, uh, that may have been a different outcome. So, no doubt. Uh, definitely. And I, and I get what you're saying, too. After the first two weeks of the season, you really are, are still unsure on who is good and who's not good. And so you're trying to figure out, was that – I mean, you can even take crazy – as crazy as it sounds, you can take the Duke-Clemson game. You can fast forward eight weeks from now, depending on what Clemson's record is. That game, you know what I mean? You can look back at that game differently. And so we don't know yet, and that's a great point because we're, we're still figuring it out, right, week by week. So uh, yeah, you I, mentioned – go ahead. You no, know, it's it's just that time of year, right? And uh, I think there are a lot of teams after this past Sunday's games in the NFL who are trying <laughs> to figure out, well, are they really – are the Packers really that much better than yeah. the Bears? That's the question everybody in Chicago here is asking today. Yeah, uh, that's actually a great point. I was thinking about the same thing with the uh, the Giants and the, uh, the, Cowboys. the Cowboys. Are the yeah. Cowboys really that good? Are the Giants really that bad? What about the Steelers? You're exactly right. So I guess right. it's football in general. Yep. Um, but yeah, you you mentioned earlier uh, briefly uh, David Braun uh, taking over interim head coach. Uh, how does he seem to be settling in uh, to his his new role, kind of thrust in that position? Well, really impressively, and you know it's a it's a obviously very tough situation for him. And uh, he's never been a head coach. He, he was hired by Pat Fitzgerald as defensive coordinator back in January. And then after uh, they, they took the coaching reins away from, from Pat, uh, they elevated David to interim head coach. And, you know, he's a young guy who's new to the program and he's new to being a head coach. And on top of that, Josh, he is serving as defensive coordinator. So he's he's calling the defensive plays as well as wearing the head coaching headset for the first time. And we walked onto the field in, in uh, Piscataway a couple Sundays ago on Labor Day weekend. I was like, this guy's head has absolutely got to be swimming right now. I, I can't imagine it. And yet uh, he seems very calm. He seems... Uh, relaxed about the role. I think he's excited to have the opportunity. And, you know, he's a very upbeat guy. And I, that's the thing that's really struck me about him. Uh, things didn't go great against Rutgers, obviously, uh, but he, he stayed the course. And and he's really a, a very selfless guy in terms, and, and a lot of coaches are this way, but I think sometimes you can kind of tell there might might be a little bit of disingenuous to it uh you know he seems very sincere he was really emotional and really happy for the players given what they've been through given the fact that these guys stuck it out when they had the opportunity uh to go elsewhere that is a perfect segue i did not give you the questions ahead of time but that's a perfect segue um you know with the transition in coaching kind of late and the timing there was 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 uh you know not ideal for the program uh, you did lose some guys in the portal. Obviously, you're going to lose guys in the portal pretty much every year anyway, but then there were some late guys. How has that affected the team as far as depth and and just you know just kind of a gut punch there leading into the season? Well, I'm sure from a from a depth standpoint, yes, it, it definitely affected them. But, you know, they didn't lose uh, a whole lot of guys who have played for them before. 
And I think that's significant. The, the one guy they lost, the one starter they lost was Jeremiah Lewis. Yeah, thank and, you. And then, you know what? And that's a significant one, no doubt. But but to me, the idea that that you could would be able to keep 21 out of 22 starters in that kind of situation when I think uh, most people were expecting there to be a whole a whole scale exodus and and maybe there still will be but I give David a lot of credit and his staff for for keeping the guys who were there who were getting them excited to play the season for for you know maybe maybe it's him maybe it's uh the university, maybe guys want to get their Northwestern degree and then go on, or maybe some of them have it, but they want to kind of stay the course and finish the job and, and they get on with their lives. You know, I think there could be a lot of factors, but whatever the case, I think uh, there was a lot of doom predicted in terms of, of guys going into the portal. Some freshmen did who hadn't seen the field yet. That's really where they got hit a little bit. And, and certainly from a decommitment standpoint, they had some guys in their, in their recruiting class who decided to reopen their commitments. But you know, really, I, I think all things considered, uh, David has really done under the circumstances uh, a really good job. And, and he certainly had them ready to play on Saturday against UTEP. Yeah, for sure. Well, are you making the trip down to Durham? Uh, this Saturday? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, unrelated to football, are you going to get here in time to get some authentic barbecue or, or what, what's the plan? <laughs> well, I'm sure we will. I'll, I'll travel with the team and we will come in, in fr on Friday afternoon. All right. Um, I've, I've made the trip many times there. I mean, we've played on a pretty regular basis yeah. since the mid nineties and, and this current series, and we've, we've played last, uh, every other year down there. And, uh, I love coming down. It's always a great trip, and uh, it's. I, I'm glad that this time we're coming down. Uh, we made a few trips in the past where it was right in the throes of a hurricane, and I, I think the forecast is pretty good. It's also not supposed oh, yeah. to be as blistering hot this weekend as it's been a few other times we've come down. So, yeah, I'll definitely check out some of the local cuisine. No doubt about that, Josh. Nice. Well, nice. Well, hit, hit us up if you if you need some suggestions. But, yeah, you're bringing down some cool weather with you. Uh, and so I, I think it's supposed to be in the high seventies, maybe even, uh, on, on Saturday when we kick off, which will be incredible. So no, no complaints uh, about that for sure. Well, transitioning, looking ahead now to the matchup in Wallace Wade stadium, uh, this Saturday, three 30 start time. I'm uh, going to ask you just kind of four questions, um, about this game in particular, and then, uh, and then we'll let you get out of here, Dave. So first question, an area that this wildcat team will excel at on the field this Saturday is what? Uh, I, th I think an area in which they will excel is special teams. Uh, I, I think they're kind of getting better in that area. So from what I've seen so far, they have a, a first year kicker. They got a guy who's handling the punting chores now who split the job last year. They had a new kickoff man on Saturday. Uh, and, and I think their cover, their kick coverage has been good. And what I'm really looking forward to seeing, and I think most people who follow the program are anxious to see, is can they get A.J. Henning involved in the return game? Henning is the wide receiver kick returner from Michigan who transferred to Northwestern last offseason and uh, one of the best punt return men in the Big Ten, if not the nation. And they haven't really been able to spring him yet for a long return. And I know that in the past, when Northwestern and Duke have played, kick returns have been have been a big part of it 
and Northwestern's had some success in that area. A guy named Solomon Vault, I remember, returning a kickoff at Wallace Wade Stadium, uh, the second half kickoff several years ago, and a game the Cats went on to win. So I, I think that's an area in which I, I think Northwestern will excel. Awesome, awesome. Well, um, speaking maybe more specifically on players now, um, Duke fans need to watch out for who? Uh, on that Northwestern roster Saturday. Maybe maybe a player that we wouldn't like obviously see looking at the stats from the first two games. Who do Duke fans need to look out for? I would say Bryce Gallagher, the middle linebacker. He's the captain of the defense. He had 19 tackles in the game against uh, Rutgers, a career high. He He's a guy who's really leading that defense. He's sort of the heart and soul of it and uh, made a ton of plays once again on Saturday against UTEP, got an interception, uh, and and I think that he's the guy number 32. You'll see him in the middle of that defense. Uh, his brother, Blake, played uh, for the Wildcats a few years ago, uh, probably would have played uh, maybe not the last time we went down, but uh, two times ago. And so I, I would say watch for the middle linebacker, Bryce Gallagher. All right, when you look at the Northwestern defense compared to Duke's offense or vice versa, um, what what do you think is going to be the key matchup um, and who's going to win this game on Saturday? The what, the key matchup in the game, well, I, I would say it's going to be Northwestern's ability to uh, to run the football uh, against Duke. And, and, you know, last year Duke ran the ball really well in the win in Evanston, ran for over 200 yards and had – uh, all three backs of the top backs heavily involved in that game. All those guys are back, right? But Northwestern, I think, uh, is showing signs they're going to be able to run the ball. They only had 12 yards rushing against Rutgers. But then they bounced back this past weekend. And Cam Porter, a guy who who was a, a key factor when they won the Big Ten West in 2020, uh, then got hurt preseason at 21, missed the entire year, uh, came back last year, looks much like he did now in 2020. And uh, a guy who is, is is strong, powerful, has moves, good quickness. Uh, and then a couple of young guys, uh, namely Joseph Hyman II. He's the guy who sprung an 85-yard uh, screen pass for a touchdown. And if you go back and watch the play on Saturday, he just ran away from everybody and the defensive backs for UTEP had the angle on him and he just outran them. So uh, I would say Northwestern's ability to run the football against Duke's defense is going to be critical for Northwestern to win this game. Uh, you know, look, Northwestern's a big underdog and I think everybody expects Duke to win. I just think Northwestern's ability to move the ball, I think they have some continuity, uh, consistency this year at the quarterback position. Couple that with a running game, and and I think they'll be able to hang in there against Duke. Yeah, I think that line. I think it started at what eighteen and a half. It may have even bumped up a little bit. I think that's a little that's a little aggressive. Um, you know, consider once again. I think I think we overreact a little bit as we talked about before uh, to the first two weeks sometimes. But this is not one of my questions that I written down. I'm done with my regular questions. I just want to verify that Evan Hull is not on this roster. He will not be running the football, and he will not be catching 
wheel routes out of the backfield. No, as, as a matter of fact, uh, Evan was was uh, on the field for the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. Yeah. And, yeah. So I don't think you have to worry hey, about seeing Evan all with, again. With a former Duke guy, Deion Jackson, former running back uh, for right. Duke, is, is yep. out there as well. So those guys are teaming up now. But Dave, listen, I really appreciate you coming on for a few minutes. We really always enjoy talking to you. Hope you guys have a safe trip down and an enjoyable time when you come to Durham this weekend. Always do. Thank you, Josh. Good being with you. All right. Have a good one, man. Thank you. You too. And again, our thanks to Dave Innit for coming on. It's been a pleasure getting to know Dave these last few years. And again, as I stated before the interview started, this will be the second to last time the Blue Devils and the Wildcats will play in the foreseeable future. Again, Duke heading up north to Evanston, Illinois next year. But always a good time with Dave, Josh. And thank you for uh, being able to sit down and, and speak with him about all things Northwestern. Yeah, for sure. And when we do these interviews, this is brought to you by DurhamDevilsClub.com. Uh, if you're interested in being a part of the Duke football program behind the scenes, uh, supporting uh, Duke's version of the NIL Collective, uh, getting some insider access. For instance, we've sat down with Coach Mike Elko and previewed every game on the schedule. We sat down with quarterback Riley Leonard. Uh, we're sitting down <clears throat> as of now today um, with Dwayne Carter, and we'll be releasing that. Those are only available behind that paywall. you got to be at the $25 blue and white club level or above. But this is something that's very important, uh, Duke fans, to be a part of. Uh, Duke cannot fall behind in the NIL space. And so DurhamDevilsClub.com, check it out. If you have any questions, DM us. We'll get you to the right people. We appreciate their partnership for sure. All right. Now it's time for one of our favorite segments. It's been going on now for a year. I'm glad. Who brought it up? I, I don't even know who, who suggested it. Was it you, Jamie? I mean, you are the... You are the reader of the questions. I, th- I think I think I did. I'm not sure. Let's give yep. credit. Let's give Jamie credit for it. I mean, he's just he's a champion with predictions. He comes up with the mailbag. I mean, yeah. what does the man yeah. not do other than live in Raleigh? He's yeah. in Holden Beach all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what does he not do other than not go to work? Yeah. Other than other than walk upright, I don't I don't do that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, so actually, this is great because uh, not that we do this, but like. Typically, mailbags on on podcasts are when you don't when you don't have anything to plan, and you're like, "Oh crap, let me just do mailbags." And that'll <laughs> take up a lot of time. But uh, that, you guys do help us, by the way. The, everyone yes. that sends in a question, and Jamie does a good job. Honestly, we're not able to get to every one of them because it's gotten popular, and so so many of you give stuff. So, are you, are you sure about that? Yeah, it's, yeah Brian gets annoyed. By the way, <laughs> Brian's right, are well, the angry one of the four. All right, so. question number thirty-eight comes to. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, all right, Jamie. Let's get rolling. Let's get to the mailbag questions for this week. All right, I'm gonna start us off on Facebook, and Levi Haynes comes out swinging for the fences on this one. Oh boy! Like it was rough. He says, "Duke fans, what are we doing? Leaving early?" So he call, he calls the fans <laughs> out right out of the gate. I love it. I love. I, I love With the it. monsoon to hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so good. It is so good. That's a great question, Levi. Where's your dedication? Listen, all 700 of you that were at the game anyway, 500 of you left when when the storm hit, and uh, not us. No, not, not us. us. Hey, Shout hey, out to let's see. It was us three. It was Scott, Jamie, me, John Martin. Shout out to John, Trent Pace. Uh, Andrew Stallings and his dad John, we yeah. all we all did, and then the Dillons, Cam Dillons yeah. family was behind yeah. us. They they stuck it out too. So hey, and, let, let, hey I have the world's most giant poncho, so I was good. Yes, let, those were nice. Can, can we talk pregame though? What I went through to try to get to the uh, hard hat guys <laughs> tailgate. 
right story time so i work media and for those of you who know the duke campus media parks in the science drive parking deck well it was beginning to rain and i said to myself you know what i see all these scooters all around campus i'm just gonna hop on a scooter and just book my way across uh campus to the hard hat guys tailgate well i didn't realize that this company that has the scooters they have restricted areas so i'm going straight towards wallace wade and this scooter starts beeping at me like it's about to explode i was in a restricted area scooter cuts off so i had to stop i had to i had to back to the future like walk next to it until i got out of the restricted zone i had to go all the way down uh was it wanamaker drive to to another drive i was i was if you had seen my shorts, it looked like I had just jumped into a swimming pool. So, not the best decision. Rain one, Brian zero. Hey, look, yeah, we uh, we were waiting for him to come, uh, like in Dumb and Dumber, when they're on the scooter and the scooter's like buckling underneath them. We were waiting on Brian to show up at the tailgate like that. Yeah, I heard a, I heard a real funny one about the rain. A buddy of mine that I work with, he was there, and him and his dad moved up to the uh, under the overhang. He said there was two guys down there in just shirts and shorts, and that was it. And they were just sitting there with the monsoon coming down on their head. Did not move. Did not seem like it phased them at all. I love it. Well, we're off to a good, rough start here with the first question. Okay. Brian's going to be angry by the time and this, this is one, over. And this one is coming. This one is coming for the fans again. This next one. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit different, though. So we've run into this problem, and we saw it under Coach Cutcliffe when he was when he was winning big at Duke. Justin Hillard asked, what does it take to pack Wally Wade? It's hard to get excited in an empty stadium. Could that be why the team came out a little flat Saturday? No. And we've no, seen we've Clemson seen, game. <laughs> yeah. It was the Clemson game that had the team come out flat. But we've seen how it is a struggle to pack Wallace Wade. I mean it really is. Even when we play Chapel Hill College, it's yeah. a struggle at times. I mean, do you want the honest answer? There's not that many local Duke fans. There's not that many local Duke fans. That's why we said to go after the transplants. You got to go after the transplants. There are local Duke fans, but they're a fan of the round ball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And 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 calling out Duke a little bit here. (laughs) If you don't have a parking pass, you got to walk a daggone country mile to get to the stadium from from the parking areas. They don't have any shuttle services unless you park in the H lots. They don't make it easy. Nothing is easy about coming to a game at Duke unless you have a parking pass. And so, and you have to be an Iron Duke. Who's the angry one now? To get a, to get a parking Who's pass. Who's the angry so, one now? No, I'm just being honest. Being honest. So that's why people don't come. Um, and honestly, we can say if they win, they'll come. Uh, if you actually look at the attendance numbers in 2013 to 2015, in two years of winning, I think it went up 1,200. Uh, that's all. It went up from like 25 thousand to like 26 two or something uh in those two years and so at the end of the day it's going to have to be a new wave of duke fans we've talked to the players and to the team about this like it's gonna have to be like organic growth uh it's gonna have to be them going to the schools uh going to what these charity events getting to know people on a personal level and then them wanting to go in, in return become becoming duke fans and going to games that's what it's going to take all right next question comes from our our guy Kelly Rowe, all the way down in Wilmington, North Carolina. Two games into the season with Northwestern on the horizon. What has stood out the most to us on the offensive and defensive side of the ball? 
Uh, off, yeah, that's one. Zero that's, yeah. that's a that's a huge number. I mean, what did we already say? It was like seven teams, right, Brian? Yep. Did you say that? Seven. Yep. There's only seven teams with no sacks allowed. Yep. Uh, seven, offensive line seven for in sure. The whole country. Yep. On the defensive side, um, I would say the secondary, man. I would say like these, I think Al yes, Miles secondary. and Jeremiah Lewis. And I would add um, on the offensive side, I would add Jordan Waters. I mean, I really, he's averaging eight yards a carry currently, and he's already got three touchdowns. I mean, he's really, he's really been playing well. Speaking of he, the secondary, shout out to Josh Pickett. Pickett picked it. Uh, first career interception, our guy Josh. So, so so far we've hit three of the helmet stickers that you'll read about <laughs> here in the coming hours and days on the yep, website. Helmet stickers are going to release Wednesday morning. Oh, we love teasing people. No, but That's going right. back to Jeremiah, guys, think about it. If the things had not happened at Northwestern the way they did, he would be playing opposite of Duke this Saturday, which is crazy to think in the grand scheme of things because everything that happened with Pat Fitzgerald happened, what, the last two months? Mm-hmm. And luckily he was yep. able to transfer in because he was a graduate transfer. Yep. Because we talked yeah. about this. If you were a normal transfer, unless it was an emergency situation yeah, or so, you were so, a graduate, special, yeah. You, yeah, you could go. But any other reason, you had to stay at the school that you were at. So it actually worked out. To, I mean, Dave even mentioned when he was talking to Josh, they only lost one starter being Jeremiah. Yep. Yeah. Well, hey, they lost the some first- other players, but they were yeah. they were in the two deep. I was yeah. saying one other person that was surprised so far because Lewis didn't play the other night, Terry Moore. He had yeah. a great game because yeah. that was his first opportunity to be there in a big time situation for more than three to five plays, and he really did a, de- a really good job. Yep. All right, moving on to Twitter, Sam at LA Dodgers all day. There he Sam. is. Our, our weekly question. Yep. He he wants to know did I manage to stay upright all day? He was he was. <laughs> He was a little worried because of all the rain, you know, but even though it's obvious from seeing my tweets and everything I put out on social media that it's rain is not necessary for me to, to Gravi- get up, up and close and personal with the ground. Uh, gra- so. Gravity one, Jamie zero. Oxygen. <laughs> yeah. I did manage to stay upright though. It was, it was a little touch and go there. Yeah. Like maybe, times. Yeah. Maybe getting off the hard hats bus when we were sitting on there <laughs> due to the lightning. Like I was like, uh, who knows? That one lightning strike or that one thunder clap, <laughs> yeah. what felt like it was over by my truck, ten feet away from the bus. Yeah, that yeah Jamie almost didn't curious. make it. Jamie has yeah. weather updates that come to his phone, <laughs> and uh, and Jamie got a weather update that said there is lightning zero point zero miles away from you. <laughs> but like, he stayed upright. Yeah, we almost almost died. That's that's it's cool. God that, one, Jamie zero. <laughs> And uh, Sam says, as for Northwestern, what area do we expect to have the biggest advantage over them? Oh, I, I'm going to come out and say once again secondary. I think our yeah. our our pass uh, defense and our even our ability to get to the quarterback, RJ Oban, uh, BJ got a sack in this last game. Um, I believe we're going to be able, uh, you know, they're going to be able to maybe run the ball, which you know we may need to address that a little bit on the defensive side. Um, since, you know, not only did Patrick Mahomes evidently uh, throw the football for them, but they had like LaDainian Tomlinson running it for him. Uh, no, 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 no. That, dude, that dude was 4'11". I was Barry on the Sanders. field. Oh, my gosh. Darren Sproles. 
I mean, we we all on the field were just like, this dude is not. Well, I think five six is what they put him down at. There's he, no dude, he 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 could he had great vision. Like seriously, he was a good little running back. But all all that to say, I believe we're going to be able to stop the passing game, and I think that's going to be our advantage, whether it's interceptions or whether it's just getting to the quarterback. Really quick, I just found this. Northwestern is averaging giving up 190 yards in the air. Duke is at 150. As far as rushing yards allowed, Northwestern's only given up 113 to Duke's 170. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a little bit it's skewed, skewed with the teams, but still. Yeah. yeah. Right. They played right. Rutgers and UTEP. Right. Powerhouses. Yes. <laughs> Next. Our guy, Peter Dodge. The mass at- hole. At PD Duke eighty five wants to make sure everyone knows about the nice weather this weekend. Now we now we tweeted that from our account, so we just got that out there. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Just a reminder, folks. Yeah. Come on out, see some Duke three, football. Three thirty start. I mean, you don't have to get up early. You're going to get home at a decent time. Uh, it's going to be a great great weather. Sunny. I think it's any. I, it's fluctuated a little bit, but it's like I've seen in the low in the high seventies, low eighties as the high. And they, uh, yeah. and, and they are honoring the military this weekend, folks. Mm-hmm. So if yep. they usually have uh, skydivers at halftime. It's a good show. Plus, if you know someone that's in the armed forces and they don't yeah. have anything to do, bring them out. Let them get honored. For sure. Maybe this time this year, the, the people that are coming in from the sky will go to the right stadium. <laughs> Yeah, not, not wide up in Chapel Hill. That, that was a UNC game, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. A, it was a Duke no. game. They they were supposed to land. Oh, that's Duke. right. That's right. At UNC, and they and, or they landed at Duke, dude. That was that was hilarious. That was it one was, of the funniest things. It was like so foggy that day, and I think the like the cloud ceiling was like super low, and like yeah. they probably just, shouldn't have jumped. Honestly, he just picked, he just picked a stadium and the, went to it. The like, looks <laughs> on people's faces was the best because it was someone a, was punting. Like they landed right beside the punter, and he was like looking like, "What the heck? What are you doing?" Well, and it was a night game too, if you recall, mm-hmm. because all of a sudden it was you see a six this, o'clock game. Yeah, you see this. It was the first game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right, what's next? We got a couple of defensive questions. So I kind of put them all together here. Uh, first, with Drew Tres- Drew Cheshire at Drew Chesh, any concerns with the slow starts the defense has gotten off to? No, I mean they're they're holding they're only giving up two touchdowns on the year. So yeah, seven points. All right, Let, let's let's walk through this. It's been two teams, right? Clemson, mm-hmm. who was number nine. We expected the Clemson offense to to do its thing. Duke's defense just bent; they didn't break. Mm-hmm. Then you have a six day, five day, six day turnaround. Five day, five day. It didn't matter what team Duke was going to play on the field this past Saturday. There was going to be a little a sluggish start, so no. Now, if this week there's another sluggish start, okay, maybe it's just something to where, you know, it's like a diesel yeah. engine. It just takes a little bit to get going, but once you get going, you'll be fine. Well, we'll, we'll ask. Maybe we'll ask uh, Dwayne that question for the Durham Ooh. Devils Club podcast, and maybe uh, maybe the captain. Yeah, maybe the captain will. Uh, the campaign we'll give us some behind behind the scenes there, but I, I kind of agree with those guys. I do think, as Brian said, though, if this continues, it's got to be something that's addressed. These guys have got to come out with energy uh, from the get go. We can't give up first quarter touchdowns, uh, you know, the entire season type of deal. Um, but yeah, I'm not concerned yet. All right. Adding to that, at T.S. Lester, ask: Are we concerned about the run defense? 
And then, and then Ty, yeah. yeah, to add to that question, at FishFry02, ask what are some adjustments we can make to stop the run? Because currently we're giving up 4.6 yards per attempt. I would, yeah, I mean, I would, honestly, go ahead, Scott. No, I was going to say, um, to me, Lafayette, we were without Dylan for the first half. That helps a little bit because he was going to be one of the starters. But, you know, it's, and it's funny because I think we mentioned this while we were sitting there, Josh, that Duke ended up changing the alignment to a 5-2 as the game progressed in the first quarter because they were having so much success. Good adjustment. They brought in Ryan Smith or whoever to run the Yeah, it was Ryan Smith. Ryan Smith was the fifth lineman. Yep. So, I mean. And in the second was, half, they really didn't. I feel like it wasn't. It's not like they got on our side of the field too much. Yeah. Who were we missing the first half of Lafayette? Don't forget that too. Yeah, Cam. Cam Dillon. Yes, I mean, Cam I know. I, I, yeah, I, just a reminder. I don't know how much of a difference it made, but not having Cam on the field could have been a difference as far as the start to Lafayette. Yeah, I mean, and we got to watch it. I mean, uh, Northwestern ran all over us last season. Of course, Evan Hall Hall is no longer with them. Um, but God. but yeah, I mean, this is going to be a. a Hallelujah. You know, yeah, one of those one of those games where you know, as Duke is heavily favored, we understand that. But like, uh, you know, it depends. Does Duke want to cover, or does Duke want this game to be close? And our run defense is probably going to dictate whether or not we're going to cover, or whether or not this game is going to be close. All right, moving on to an, another question from Levi at right. Levi Haynes ten. How about Henry? That's Dillon? how old he is. <laughs> yeah, he he looks about. He, is that he, how many yeah. questions he's going to ask? <laughs> <laughs> He said, how about Henry Beelan? Of course, he was super impressive. And he, he asked, will we see him again this year? And, of course, my answer to that is probably not, unless Riley, unless Riley gets hit and has a helmet come off or unfortunately Listen, we're gets We're going to see him in the Virginia game. Yeah, oh, yeah, the Virginia I, game. I think we may <laughs> see more than that. But yeah. I think you might see him this Saturday, if I'm being completely honest. Could happen. If, if, I, things, I, if things go the way they should, yes. I yeah, agree with yeah. that 110%. But here, here's another thing too that we have to just we have to be honest. Like last season, Riley like literally did not get hurt, stand on his feet, mm -hmm. all that good stuff. But the way he plays the game, I mean, and I'm not saying any any nothing. I'm not trying to speak anything into existence here. But like, there's probably going to be a play where he gets popped, or he Bleed. gets the wind knocked out of him, yeah, or something like that. And like, and I'm not saying Henry's going to have to come in for extended period of time. But there's going to be a play or two where I think he's going to be needed, and you know, if that play happens to be a big third, third and six, or third and you know ten, or whatever, uh, Henry's going to be called upon. And uh, how about Henry Beelan? I mean, the fact that we did see that arm—he's got a live arm. What we didn't get to see necessarily is is the, how good he can run. Right. Um, I'm going to comp this. I mean, and I'm not saying he's on this level. I'm saying the style that he plays is Vince Youngy, kind of a Vince Young. Uh, kind of a young, yes, I went young with young, -ish. <laughs> young ish, young ish, but I, I see a lot of like that Vince Young, uh, sort of play with him, and maybe a Duke comp, um, maybe like a Thomas Cirk with maybe a little bit better throwing arm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I'm all about Henry, and I think, uh, him and Jordan seem to have a pretty decent connection when he came in the game too. So I think we'd be in good hands if Henry comes in, but hopefully we only see him, you know, like when we play that FCS school up in, up in Virginia. I mean, I'd love to yeah, see. Now some... are we, Scott, do you know how to get there? 
<laughs> we need directions. <laughs> We're about to have to bleep out a finger. He's Scott's about to die. not even smiling, bro. <laughs> Scott's not even smiling. <laughs> I know how to get there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, does Levi have another question, or is he done? No, no, that was it. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, at, at Big Papa RV, seems like we aren't taking many deep shots. Uh, is is that an OL issue, a personnel issue, or play calling? Well, it was a God issue Saturday. It's not. It's not the offensive line. I can tell you that they're given. No. They're given plenty of time. It, it was almost funny though to me um, when Henry got in there. They went down the field. Mm-hmm. Now, I I would say this, and you know, don't know the situation. I almost wonder when Lafayette saw Henry come in, they thought he was just going to turn around and hand the football off. And maybe that's why the defense was open up the way it was. But he hit Jordan at first pass on a nice little post about 25, 30 yards. And it's just like – but there was no – the safety wasn't over the top either. And we we obviously talk about that constantly when we're sitting there watching the game. We see what's there. And now, there's a chance for double moves, I think, every almost every play with some of the receivers. So I'm just wondering if we're just trying to be conservative to waste time or just it's going to get there when it gets there. But right now, when we're running the football down their throat and they can't stop it, why in the world would you want to throw the football? And, and you're and playing. Go ahead, Jim. Uh, I was just saying, first game of the season, you're playing Clemson. And That's what I was going to say. The, the thing is, Clemson may not be as good as they have been in the in the last few years, but they still got guys that are going to be in the NFL on that defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that's, that's <laughs> tough sledding right there. And don't forget, the new rule that's in place this year, the NCAA has modeled their their time rule after the NFL to where the clock does not stop after a first down. It keeps running. And with our four-headed monster, three-headed monster right now, with Jalen still not being able to suit up, just keep running the clock. Milk the cow, as Scott said earlier. So I, I don't think it's a concern. I think it's just you're playing the game that's presented in front of you and the opponent that you have. As yeah, Jamie I think what Jamie wall. said. That's right. I think what Jamie said uh, is important, you know, to to talk about. But the opponents, you've had a really strong opponent in Clemson that you're not just going to five step drop and stand in the in the backfield uh, and, and put your quarterback at risk. And then the second one is that lesser opponent where you feel like you really can just line up and and run the ball. And so to answer that question, I think we're gonna we may see some more uh, deep shots. Of the, this week and next week. So, uh-oh. Got him. <laughs> I think I got myself. 38 minutes and 50 seconds is when Jamie lost for the first time. It's the group chat. It's the group, the group I, bl- I blame I Scott on this one. <laughs> I was actually not a part of that one, guys. This is the first time. I caught it later. Good. All right, all right. Uh, we're recording during the Bills and Jets game, and, and we're getting texts that Aaron Rodgers went down with an injury. So Scott put it in the group text, wearing, <laughs> wearing a boot is a Rodgers, so he sounds like Mario. <laughs> wearing a boot wearing a boot is a Rodgers. That is so good. It's a me, a Mario. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> all right. All right. Back on track. Let's get the train back on track. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. 
at the Duke of Cupa. The what? Have you seen that guy, Brian? The Duke of Cupa. That's Cuba? what his name is. Yeah. yeah. No, I haven't K-E-W- seen it. K-E-W-P-I-E. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Tyler's going to have fun with this episode. How many sacks does Duke give up against Northwestern? Of course, we know Duke has given up a big fat zero on the year. So, until I'm somebody proves me wrong, I'm saying zero. Double zero. I think they're going to give up double zero. There's a goose eggs everywhere. The mailbag has completely gone off the rails. <laughs> Love it. At Blade for Duke. Duke has consistently rotated players in both games so far this year. Which group has been the most impressive? And which group gives us the most concern? That's a great question. That is I got good. it. For me, most impressive D-line. Shout out Wesley Williams, Anthony Nelson, Ryan Smith, Aeneas Peebles. Let's just go on down the line. Aaron Hall, that two deep uh, coming in behind VJ, behind RJ, behind Jamiana, behind Dwayne. So, like, to me, it's the D-line on the positive. Uh, what's the uh, – I guess not negative per se, but what's the – is there a rotation that you guys see that we're a little bit maybe a little more skeptic, skeptical about? Maybe the safeties? I mean, when you go away from Jalen Stinson, and there's nothing against these guys. When you go away from Jalen Stinson, you go to Isaiah Fisher-Smith. When you go away from Jeremiah Lewis, you go to Terry Moore. I, I don't know. And, and, and the only reason I say Terry Moore as a question mark there is because he's still – like he's still getting up to speed. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Any other spot that you guys can think of? I mean, I, I said it Not earlier, really. I, uh, positive, the running back room. Because again, Jalen's Jalen has not Jalen Coleman has not played the first two games. I don't think we've gotten an answer. Or has anyone asked Coach Elko? Yeah, he he got asked, and he just said it was something lingering from camp, and okay. that he he hopes that he'll be ready to go this week. He said the exact same thing last week. So right. So again, you've got Jordan Waters, you've got uh, Jaquiz Moore, and then you've got Peyton Jones, who again showed that he can produce in the backfield. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I've said it from the get-go. I think the running back room is one of the most secure rooms that this Duke team has. I like the O-line rotation. I like the yep. fact that more guys are getting a chance to play big opportunities. You know, Craycraft, Parker, those guys got in for, for some significant time in the third and fourth quarter. Yeah, and, there's, Hoy, and there's Hoy no drop-off. Hoytink or whatever his name is, too. And there was no drop-off on that offensive line, either. Like, no. They're just mauling people out there. And a, the the QB room, I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to play multiple guys, but look at last year where we were coming into the year, not not even hardly knowing who our starting quarterback is. We didn't know if Riley was going to be good or what was going to happen. And now we're in a very good position with our QB room. And and speaking of that, Jamie, I mean, I'm just rewinding a year. You know, we moved Jomo to wide receiver. So our, our number two quarterback was Henry, who did not come in spring. He came in in the fall camp. So we were running with that second string quarterback last year, being a true freshman, you know what I mean, who had not been there for spring. And so you're exactly right. I think that's a great improvement in the quarterback room. Um, at Vaden Alton and at Seth P underscore Johnson, both had wanted some injury updates, uh, specifically about Coleman. So Josh, you just mentioned that. Uh, and Alton also asked about, 
asked about Pancole as well, but we know that he's going to be pretty much out for the year. Probably the year. If he comes back, I mean, I don't, we have not been full disclosure. We've not been told exactly what the injury was, uh, but he's rolling around the sideline on a scooter. Mm -hmm. um, And, and I, I mean, I don't know, maybe a bowl game. I don't, I have no idea, but evidently it was pretty bad. Don't don't jinx it. Doesn't look like, doesn't look like Justin Pickett's injury was too terribly serious. Thank thank goodness. Yeah, his was so he had been battling uh, some ankle stuff, mm-hmm. and then what he hurt in this last game was upper body. It was like a, a arm elbow type. Yeah, game, and so. he when he when he walked by me, he he had it and was not moving it. So I mm-hmm. thought he had broken something, but thankfully it's just sprained. Um, and I wonder if Jeremiah Lewis had it not been uh, Lafayette, if he would have, you know, played. Yeah. You know what I'm uh, so we're recording this on Monday. He was a full go at practice today. Yeah. So hopefully he's. Uh, I want him to play because it's Northwestern. I think that'd be great. Yeah, oh, he won't. He he'll play. Like he wants to play. Yeah. 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 They'll have to pull him off the field. Yeah. Uh, at sit in you okay? Uh, it was good to meet him at the game. He was one of the guys that uh, got our free tickets. Uh, he came by and spoke to us. Uh, in Duke's two games this year, they have kind of kind of been slow and methodical on offense is this to build confidence or is this what we may see all year no I, i'm going to go back to the earlier answer i think it's the opponent it's driven by the opponent and the weather obviously we're going to run a little bit slower against clemson that's just the way it is that's the way you have to do against a team like that and then this past week it was the weather combined with the fact that we knew we were going to outmatch them and there's no reason to come out and try to you know do that i think i think we're going to really see in these next two weeks leading up to that Notre Dame game. So the home game at Northwestern and the away game at UConn, I think we're going to really see what we're going to try to be like on offense. We've not seen it yet. That's the UConn game, I think, is the game that I'm going to pay the most attention to because it's the first true row game of the year. And with the way UConn was last year and the way they looked against State, they, they had a good first half against State, and then the second half the wheels kind of fell off. But it's going to be interesting to see how Duke does against that UConn defense. And that running back is really good. Yes. All right. At the Duke of Cupa again has another uh, question. He asked about the status of jo- uh, Justin Pickett, which we spoke to that already. But then, then he said, "What would we want to see uh, if he's out for an extended period of time? Who who steps up?" Scott Elliott. Uh, that's what we've seen. It's been Scott Elliott. So it's Elliott at center. Uh, and then you've got Hornerbrook and, and Graham on the outside, and you've got Monk and McIntyre as your guards. That's what you'll see moving forward uh, if Pickett's not in there. If, if you do see Pickett, they can do whatever they want, but it seems like they might move Monk back to center um, and then you know move Pickett back to that one of those guard positions, which I believe right guard is kind of where he played some. So, All right. At bleed blue underscore 24. And I think we can all agree on this. Does Duke have one of the better offensive lines in the nation? To that, I would say absolutely. I would say so, let's wait so, two more games. So far. Yeah, so far. But let's get through a Big Ten school. And then what conferences? They're I, independent. I that's no, UConn, right. No, UConn's in the Big 12. A- AAC? The AAC, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I – I say let's get a few more games under our belt and, and against some better defenses and see what happens. But yeah, as of right now, two games in, yes, one of the best O lines. Uh, at Regina Lee underscore LA, 
what are some of the key areas that could be improved on or areas that coaches would want improved? Uh, uh, yeah. Run, run, de run defense, getting off the field on third down are the two things that jump how, off the, how, the how about the defense starting off better as a whole mm -hmm. to start yeah. the game? We discussed it earlier. I think that's one of the big things. Offense has been great. Defense, the first two games, kind of a slow start. But, they've again, they've made the adjustments and – and it's only seven points, so it's like right. Yeah, I think I think too like mistakes. Yeah. Um, I mean we we've we've fumbled the ball. I mean, as good of a game as Jordan Waters had, he he that was a weird cough up fumble where the guy literally took it out of his hand while he's running. Uh you had the muff punt by Jalen, you had Jacquez fumbling. I would like to see us improve that ball control. Last year, you know, we did I don't if I'm not mistaken, did we have a running back last year that 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 gave up a fumble? I can't remember. A uh, couple, um, two but, fumbles you know, in the season. But that was it, and we've already had two uh, for the, yeah. the running back. The Jordan so. Waters fumble was a bit of a freakish yeah. type thing. Like, we're, yeah, I don't know. I'm, it was just kind of kind of a luck type thing. In my I, I'm going to say something, and not not as a, a crack to the defense, but the dropped interceptions that this team should have had, both with Lafayette and Clemson. I think there was what two. Two or three balls that were thrown by Cade that should have been intercepted. Jeremiah Jeremiah Lewis and Trey Freeman had them like literally in their hands. Okay, so two there, and then I know Lafayette. There was a couple that were thrown that they got dropped as well. Don't get me wrong; the defense has played great, but just imagine had those balls been caught and the defense got the got off the field, it could have been a whole different uh, outcome. We said the two yeah. interceptions that were made in the Lafayette game by Miles Jones and Pickett were perfect high-pointed footballs that they went and got. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were right there in great coverage and made great plays on both those opportunities. I wonder if former coach DJ watches that secondary find the football and scratches his head. <laughs> so, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Regina also asked, can you discuss analytics? And to that, I would say no, no because uh, Coach Elko actually had to explain it to me. And the two <laughs> – the two point conversion we went to in Pittsburgh. So then I then I read a thesis about it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I still at, don't understand it. Yes, yeah, at Coach Mike Elko on Twitter, Regina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. What's the rest of that question though? I saw that. Oh, uh, that that was it. I kind of shortened it up. Okay, yeah, yeah. We we are. I mean, uh, analytics are tough with football. I know that like it's the new wave, and I understand like what the Ravens do. Like literally, their analytics guy has a beep in to like Harbaugh's ear. Uh, on like every fourth down call and all that good stuff. I, we don't get dig into it. We don't really honestly have access to the data like that. If we did, uh, between Brian and Scott, I'm sure we would have um, a lot of opinions. We just don't have access to the data. It, it's been a long day for me, so I'm out. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I was joking about the 36 questions, but I think we did have 36 questions. Seriously, thank you all for those questions. Keep them coming as we progress through the season. We love to get more of your questions, but that's it. We're going to move on now to another one of our newest segments. It's this week in Duke football history. We've had two good did-you-knows for this week in Duke football history. So, Scott, I'm looking forward to hearing what we have for this week. Scott, take it away. Uh, give me one second. Oh, the computer is not cooperating oh, with me. Oh, technology fails you us again. Gotta love it, don't you? Gotta love it. Yes. At All right. So, yeah, I know. An old man like me. Okay, take two. Scott, take so, it away. <laughs> for this week in Duke football history, on September 13, 2014, 
freshman running back Sean Wilson would set a then-school record for most rushing yards in a game, playing against Big 12 opponent Kansas. Wilson rushed for 245 yards and three touchdowns, helping Duke demolish Kansas 41-3. Duke would win eight of their first nine games in, in the 2014 campaign, eventually making it to the Sun Bowl. Wilson did all of his damage in only 12 attempts, averaging 20 yards a carry. With the performance, Wilson took down a 20-year record held by Robert Baldwin, who had 238 yards in a game against Maryland, the Twerps, in 1994. And that was This Week in Duke Football History, brought to you by Bull City Sheet Metal. If you're a contractor and need duct work for your project, bye, bye. give them a call at 919-354-0993 or visit BullCitySheetMetal.com. They'll take any job and grab it by the horns. <laughs> Unfortunately, Alabama can't grab anything by the horns. But oh, hook them, hook them, baby, hook them. Oh man, I, I love it. Thank you, Scott. That was I remember that game. I remember I that Kansas too. game. I mean, Sean Wilson, freshman man. We uh, that was that was incredible. That that yards per carry is just ridiculous. So. Yeah, Jamie, the coach. The coach is still getting paid for that. If I remember. Yeah, right. yeah, that's true. Jamie, Jamie's talking and he's muted. Yeah, guys, let's see how long he does that. <laughs> Oops. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. Jamie's like they never listen to me. I was just, I was just saying, shout out to the Durham Bull, Rob, Robert Baldwin, too. That's right. Mentioned, mentioned in that. That was a magic, yeah, that was a magical team in '94 for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you for that, Scott. We always look forward to that every week. Thank you to Bull City Sheet Metal um, as well. Uh, and we'll move into our next segment, which is uh, the weekly tell of the tape. And Brian always adds a nice little did you know on the end. And this tells you everything that you need to know about the matchup between the Duke Blue Devils and the Northwestern Wildcats. Brian, take it away. Thanks, Josh. Tell the tape. Northwestern Wildcats out of the Big Ten. Last year, Northwestern went 1-11 and did not make it to a bowl game. Shocking. Last week, Northwestern defeated UTEP 38-7, and they are currently 1-1. Interim head coach David Brom is in his third game overall as the Wildcats head coach. Now, becoming the before becoming the interim head coach, Braun held assistant coaching positions at North Dakota State, Northern Iowa, and UC Davis. He also played as a defensive lineman for NAIA school, Winona State. Now, overall, this is the 23rd matchup all time between Duke and Northwestern, with Duke leading the series matchup 12 wins to 10. The first ever meeting between Duke and Northwestern took place all the way back on September 7th, 1985 at Wallace Wade Stadium, where Duke defeated Northwestern 40-17. to Last year, Duke defeated Northwestern Evanston, Illinois in a classic battle, 31-23. I remember watching that game, thinking we might go down at the end, but then Duke prevailed. Now, overall, this is the third straight season that Duke and Northwestern have played, and this is the longest stretch since 1996 when the two schools have played each other eight years in a row from 1996 until 2003. And as I said earlier, Duke and Northwestern will play next year as well in Evanston, Illinois, before the series goes back on hiatus. Now, the last time, now, now think about this, folks. The last time Northwestern defeated Duke in Wallace Wade Stadium, all the way back on the, uh, September 19th, 2015, when they defeated the Blue Devils 19-10. to Duke is on 
a four-game winning streak currently in the series against Northwestern, having won the last three matchups 41-17 in 2017, 21-7 in 2018, and then 30-23 in 2021. And now it's time. Oh, I forgot last year's score, but there you have it. <laughs> but it's now time for Did You Know? The Northwestern Clock Tower on campus has a unique way of letting fans and students know if the athletic teams are winning. The tradition began in 1995 when the football team, regarded as one of the best in program history, started making their run to go to the Rose Bowl. During the run, the school decided to have some fun and light the clock's or the school's clock tower purple after a Wildcats win. The team went on a nine-game winning streak that year, and the school went a step further and decided to keep the clock tower purple during the streak. The clock tower would stay purple for five months straight leading up to the Rose Bowl. Rose Bowl sorry. Unfortunately, the Wildcats would lose in the Rose Bowl to USC, and after the defeat, the clock tower turned back to white. Up until 2006, if the football team would win the last game of the season, the clock tower would stay purple the entire offseason. However, in 2007, the decision to keep the clock tower purple in the offseason was changed so the school could help promote other athletic teams winning big events such as the women's lacrosse team winning the national title numerous seasons and the women's, women's tennis team in 2006. So, if you're ever on Northwestern's campus and are wondering how their sports are doing, just take a quick look at the clock tower and you will know. And that was the tale of the tape for the Northwestern Wildcats, Josh. Yeah, since we do not have a sponsor uh, for that segment, well, that's still open. Still waiting. We, we do want to give a shout out to our over uh, overarching sponsor of the whole podcast here, Comfort Mechanical Contractors, as Brian mentioned at the beginning. Uh, but they do take care of all your commercial con uh, uh, needs for HVAC contracting. They also do service. Uh, so if you're in the Triangle area and looking for uh, good quality, honest work, uh, hit them up, comfortmc.com. And so Boy, we're all struggling tonight. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, hit them up. Uh, tell Jamie that you heard about us. Uh, you heard about them on the podcast. Jamie Hagler, awesome. not Jamie Holt. Yeah, not our Jamie, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah, no, uh, appreciate that, Brian. Um, next time I go Northwestern and that clock tower is purple, I'm going to be like, man, their women's tennis team must have just won. And so uh, I'm really I'm excited. Well, um, we might but, uh, we might, we might, might all be in Evans, Evanston next year. just no depends doubt. on when the schedule comes out. So No we'll doubt. See. So, yeah, for sure. Well, this is uh, a fun time, the segment of the podcast. Uh, where we uh, give our thoughts about what we think the score is going to be, what uniform combination Duke is going to use. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to find out who won. We had uh, a on-the-dot winner um, for this past week. In fact, it's pretty unique. Not only was this guy on the dot on Twitter, but he is also two for two. He won last week as well. So maybe – Somebody needs to get this guy to go get some scratch-offs with him. We'll see. Tell us yeah, about it, Brian. Yeah, no kidding. Timothy Gonzalez does it yet again. He predicted the score on the nose, 42-7 to 7 on Twitter. So, Timothy, you not only have one shirt coming your way, you've now got two shirts coming your way. So, congratulations. And you know what? Two. That's how they do it in Germany. But you know what? I'm going to sweeten the deal. Because you got the score right on the nose, we're going to throw in a free Section 17 helmet magnet that you can put on your refrigerator. So, Timothy, congratulations yet again. On Facebook, Michael Gallopo missed the prediction by one point. 
He predicted Duke to win 42 to 6. So, guys, congratulations. Keep those predictions coming. Timothy, if you keep winning, I don't know what we're going to be able to give you, bud. So, you might need to take a break or two or a week or two off. <laughs> yeah, pick the opposing team or something. So you yeah, so there you go. Any. But, God. Uh, that's awesome. So, let's talk about what we think, guys. We got no, uh, Northwestern coming in. As Brian mentioned, they're one and one. Uh, they lost to Rutgers. Um, they beat UTEP. Not really sure what that means, as we talked to Dave Bennett about. You know, there's a lot of overreactions that happened in the first couple of weeks of college football. Uh, so we're really not sure what we're going to see uh, on on uh, on Saturday. The line is at 19 and a half uh, as as of the time. 18 and a half. It went it's back down to eight, back yep. down to 18 and a half. Start to 18 and a half and bumped up to 19 and a half. It's back down to 18 and a half now. Uh, and so Vegas sees Duke as big winners. Uh, but what do we think? Who wants to go first? I'll, Brian, I'll take, you want to start us off? Yeah, I'll take the lead just to help you guys out. The over-under is 46.5 points, too, so something to think about for your score. I do have Duke winning this. I predicted Duke to win uh, in the preseason uh, predictions episode. I just think this is a Northwestern team that's got a lot of questions and answers, especially with everything that's been going on since Pat Fitzgerald got let go. I do have Duke winning 35-14, to 14, so I'm taking the over on the points. Uh, as well uh, as Duke going over the 18 and a half points they are given. As far as the combination, I thought about this and I'm pretty sure Duke always goes blue top with a uh, blue helmet and a white bottom. I don't see that changing against Northwestern. As far as what's on the helmet, I'm kind of alluding to it with what I'm wearing. Fellas, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be time. Let's bring out the Hellraiser. So give me blue top with the white Hellraiser. Have not seen that since, when did I say it was? Like 2016, what a better time to bring it back out. So blue, blue, white, Duke wins 35 to 14. Who's next? Oh, I guess I'll go next. Um, I, obviously, pick Duke to win. I do think Duke's going to end up winning. I'm with the over also. I really I don't like that number. I think it's going to be more than that. Uh, I think Duke 38-17. Um, I do agree with Brian as far as the jersey combination. Um, I think as far as the helmet, with it being military appreciation, I know I'm going to be completely wrong, and that's okay. I'm used to that nine out of ten times. I really would love to see the D with the stars, with the stars and stripes in it. Now, will they do that? I don't think they've ever done it, so it would be really cool to see. So, a patriotic big D. Patriotic Big D. There we go. All right. Which I think would be perfect. I mean, I would like to obviously see something with some camo in it, but that's just me. It's not going to happen. <laughs> okay, so Did you, you said. You, so you said blue. You're going blue, blue. blue. Well, yeah, blue helmet. I guess with the. I didn't think about that. I don't know which D that would be with the. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Do you want it? Do you want us to come back to you so you can think of what D is going to be on the helmet? I did, let's just say, well, if I'm going to do blue helmet. Let's just say white helmet with the blue D. Big or the, small? I would assume the big. The big, the big blue D. I mean, if they're going to wear the helmets, <laughs> I would okay. assume they're going to wear the big D. Okay, got it. Y'all ready you? for me? Yeah, I have no idea what Scott just. I don't no know clue. either. It doesn't no matter. It's not going to be close or right at all. So really, at this point, it doesn't matter. So to bring some clarity to this, I'm going to go vanilla. We're going white helmet with the blue D. Blue tops, white pants. The classic 
Okay. White, blue, white with the with the blue, big blue D. Uh, Duke is going to win this game, and they're going to win this game 43 to 21. 43 to 21. Uh, I believe, as we've spoken about on this episode, I do believe this is going to be the first time where Kevin Johns is going to actually be able to run the offense the way he wants to run it. Uh, yeah, open that playbook, exactly. Clemson, they were not really able to do that because of just the caliber of the opponent. And then same thing on the other end of the spectrum. They were not able to do it because of weather and the lack of the opponent this past Saturday. So this will be the first time, and I think you're going to see Riley Leonard flourish. I think you're going to see some deep balls to guys like Jalen and Jomo and Samir. I think we're going to have a really good day throwing the ball. So. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jamie. <laughs> oh, boy. Group chat, right as I'm getting ready to start, of course. Uh, uniforms. I don't I don't really know. Uh, <laughs> blue, blue, white. Uh, with the large white D. There you go. Large. Large white D. Large and in charge. Uh, as far as the game is concerned, I agree with the guys here. I think uh, Duke's going to be able to open it up. I think Northwestern's going to going to struggle. Uh, I think we went big, thirty-eight to ten. Northwestern goes home crying. Nice. Hey, hey, we cover at every one of the scores, and we do the over. Yep. I think the over. I think the over is easy money. Yeah, I think that's easy money. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, that's that's uh, always a fun segment. We want you to be a part of it. If you listen to this podcast, we want you to uh, go on Twitter. I believe it's on Thursday that we typically put that out. Please wait until we put that tweet out or that Facebook post or that Instagram post out. Comment underneath it so we can track it easier. If you don't comment underneath it, there's no guarantee we're going to see it. So if you could help us out by doing that, we want to hear from you, uh, what you think. Um, I do want to encourage you, if you don't yet, follow us um, on uh, Twitter and Instagram uh, and TikTok at DukeFBTalk. Uh, You can search Duke Football Talk on Facebook to find our Facebook group. Uh, you can go to Duke, uh, DukeFootballTalk.com uh, to see all of our articles, to see uh, our helmet stickers, to find our podcast, and then obviously uh, YouTube. We're on YouTube uh, now. We want to thank all of our YouTube uh, subscribers. If you have not subscribed yet, will you please stop it, pause it right now, subscribe to our channel, um, like it, like the episode, comment. We'll do our best to comment back and forth. But we've been like pleasantly surprised and so appreciative of our YouTube uh, subscribers and those that are watching there. And then on Apple Podcasts, if you'd rate and review, uh, that would really help us out. If we've done a good job and you appreciate the time and energy and effort that we put into this, would you give us a five-star rating and review? And then on Spotify, the same thing. Uh, So we want to encourage you all to do that. You guys are awesome. We love hanging out with you. If you don't have anywhere to sit at a game, especially if you're by yourself or whatever, Come up and sit with us. We got it. We're growing that section 17 top row. And so come and hang with us. We have a great time during the game. Uh, and we'll try to keep things entertaining. So really do appreciate all of you guys and uh, being friends with us and then supporting, ultimately supporting this Duke football program. Cause that's really what it's all about. Hey, we want to say one more thing real fast. Um, look folks, we need people to be there for the game Saturday. We need there for all the home games and everything like that. If you're a Duke employee, they sent you an email this afternoon that made tickets very easily accessible for you. 
If you're not a Duke employee, tickets are still out there. Find them. We need to have as many people wearing blue as we can. These kids deserve it. I mean, I, this is my soapbox that I'll stand on all season if I have to. These kids, these kids are not kids, they're adults. These grown men wearing Duke uniforms need the support. And that's what we need to do as fans. We need to support these guys. That, I mean, they had the support for Clemson. They went out there and slapped Clemson around like a rented mule. They did the same thing to Lafayette. We're going to do the same thing this Saturday to Northwestern. So, look, it would be more fun to watch it inside the stadium because it's a whole lot more fun there than it is sitting at home watching it on television. Even though Spectrum finally got back, praise Jesus, hallelujah, amen, <laughs> and I'm going to have to pay $35 more a month now just to watch the games, but whatever, praise the hallelujah and I love glory. Are you done? Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that was the end. I was, I was waiting for you to get off the soapbox and you just kind of cut it off, but – Boy, this has been a fun episode. This is you're going to get a lot of laughs if if you've made it all the way. We, we're hour nine. Probably it's probably going to be right, roughly around an hour and a half because we insert uh, Dave's interview after post production. So if you've made it this far, thank you. We've hope you've gotten a good laugh out of our uh, stupidity with our group chat that we have while we're recording. It's always a good time. As uh, just to echo what Scott said. We hope to see as many of you there this Saturday. Don't know if there's any details of as far as the tailgate with the hard hat guys, but if we do get any more information, we will certainly put it out there. Again, we hope to see as many of you, even at the tailgate. If you can come early, uh, it'd be great to hang out with a whole bunch of you as we cheer the Devils to hopefully another win against Northwestern. Yeah. Hey, Brian, one of the social posts that we're putting out every week, uh, typically on Friday, is our timeline for Saturday. And so mm -hmm. we'll give you all the details there for what you'll need to know. Uh, but we're going to be doing breakfast. Uh, I know, uh, Scott, do you have some intel on that? No, what I, I was going to make a comment that I just remember when you mentioned the timeline. Um, if you're going to come, if you're interested in buying shirts or doing anything, please become before the blue devil walk. Yep. Cause once the blue devil walk mm -hmm. happens, we do not go back to the tailgate. We out, we go straight over to the entrance to get into the game. So just, you know, for those of you that may show up a little bit later, as soon as the blue double or walk, you, or you can come after the game. Yeah, you, you can want come to after the game also. Hopefully, yep. Scott doesn't go back to the medical room because they're going to rename it after him if he does. Hey, I'm in the AC. I'm I'm media this week, so. Oh, that's right. That's right. The, Scott, the Scott, the Scott Medlin medical room. <laughs> <laughs> we do it out of fun, buddy. We love. They're going to hang my picture right there. It's going to be the, beautiful. The, the Ronnie Medlin. Ronnie Medlin. <laughs> Oh, you've left Scott speechless. Look, I think that's a great segue to close it out because it's we could, be quiet. Yeah, <laughs> you you've had your balls busted all night long, Scott. Apologies, but you know what? It's for the fans. They have yes. they they have good laugh. But listen, another episode is in the books. We thank each and every one of you for tuning in, for watching us, for listening to us. And as we stated, we hope to see as many of you as possible for Northwestern and Duke three thirty ACC Network. But for Josh Cox, for Jamie Holt, for Scott Medlin, and producer Justin Sykes, I'm Brian Kennedy, and this has been another episode of the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. Now turn the music up! <laughs>